0: Welcome to the In All Podcast. I am so glad you joined today, and I am certain you will be too, my friends. With this episode, we are closing up an incredible series on generosity, and the stories from this series are still playing on my heart. I continue to listen to them over and over again as I process what generosity looks like in this world in its many shades. And today, we will discover yet another as we speak to our vivacious and life-affirming guest. Over the past 15 years, Dr. Jody Carrington has assessed, treated, educated, and empowered some of the most vulnerable and precious souls on the planet. She's a child psychologist by trade, but Jody rarely treats kids. The answer lies, she believes, in the people who hold them. Especially when kids have experienced trauma, that's when they need big people the most. Some of her favorites include educators, parents, first responders, and foster parents. Jody has shifted the way they think and feel about the holy work that they do. Before Jody started her own practice and speaking across the country, she worked at the Alberta Children's Hospital on the inpatient and day treatment units where she held families with some of the most difficult stories. They taught her the most important lesson, that we are wired to do hard things. We can handle those hard things so much easier when we remember that we are wired for connection. This all started when Joni received her Bachelor of Arts with Distinction from the University of Alberta. She completed a year-long internship with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police during that time and worked alongside families struggling with chronic illness at the Ronald McDonald House. She received her master's degree in psychology at the University of Regina and completed her PhD there as well before completing her residency in Nova Scotia. Her first book, Kids These Days, a game plan for reconnecting with those we teach, lead, and love, came out in 2019 and sold 20,000 copies in just three months. It is now on the Amazon bestsellers list. In this episode, Dr. Jody shares with us many insights about the importance of taking care of those who hold our children, as she masterfully helps us see, as she calls it, that we are all walking one another home in this life. She helps us understand the importance of connecting with others in our lives, and her message empowers listeners to visualize how we too can be more generous with our time and attention. She lit me up with this interview, friends, and her work inspires me a great deal. Stick around to the end of this episode for a generous offer to see both Jody and me in person in June. I am so excited to share with you Dr. Jody Carrington's generosity story. Welcome, Dr. Jody Carrington, to the Ina Podcast. I am super excited to have you featured on the show and just have this conversation with you. Already, I know that you're going to be one of my most dynamic and interesting interviews to amplify. Oh,
1: Sarah, I am so frigging excited to be here. Can I just tell you? I think we're soul sisters. So I think we're going to make some magic here. It's going to be one of your best podcasts
0: yet oh, my listeners are just going to love you too. They just bring such an energy that uh, my my whole world just lights up talking to you. So would you do me a favor and go ahead and share with the listeners your current context? Like where are you in the world and what in the world are you up to?
1: All right. Well, I'm up here in chilly Canada and everybody thinks that we just play hockey and live in igloos, but we play hockey um, and um, we don't live in igloos, but it is friggin' cold up here right now. So I'm in a, in a little town in Alberta, just outside of Calgary and uh, I'm a psychologist. I'm a child psychologist by trade. I don't really like kids. I'm not a huge fan of, uh, children. Um, but I, I own three of my own. So I'm kind of coming around a little, here's what I, I, I do a lot. I, uh, I speak about kids and, uh, I was at a a children's hospital uh, on a psychiatric unit. That's where I worked for 10 years, um, in Calgary. And I learned a lot about kids and relationships and connection and trauma. And, uh, then I had, um, three kids of my own in quick succession, a couple on the same day. (laughs) And, uh, I started a little private practice and I started to consult to schools about the tough kids. And um, it really just very quickly morphed into a speaking career. And I wrote a book about it. It's called Kids These Days. And yeah, we're just fixing to change the world with this message that kids aren't the problem. It's those of us holding them. And if we're not okay, our babies don't stand a chance.
0: I love, first of all, I just kind of chuckling. This is not to downplay trauma. But when you said that you had a couple in the same day, I feel like you have your own trauma now. You know, there's that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> anybody with multiple babies. I mean, seriously, they, they start out as my heroes. And also this is why I speak to educators mostly these days is because anybody who holds my babies for more hours a day than I do in the run of a school week is my hero. So I, um, I spend a lot of time talking to teachers cause I think what they do is, uh, is holy work.
0: Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And I love so much that you talk about the, the fact that you, you know, you've written this book and you've got all these advanced degrees and you've got so much going on, there really is a lot to your story. And I think I'm excited to see how it evolves for you because you have this message already. But uh, just in the brief time that we've known each other, I know there's so much more to you. But we have you featured here on the series on generosity. And I really think that there's a mission in your message in relation to that and how um, you can tie that in. So do you wanna share just a little bit about why we chose to feature you here?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. You know, after we were talking a little bit about this, But I am I'm such a believer that, you know, right now what we face the most is not um, difficult kids or screen time or the gluten, Uh, even even the guns. Um, I think the biggest issue we have before us with our babies is disconnect. Never in the history of the free world have we we ever Mm -hmm. been more disconnected than we are right now. And the only way anybody determines their worth is face to face connection with another human being. And if you think about even the square footage of the house that our grandfathers were raised in or the schoolhouses that, you know, the two generations before us taught in, there was so much more capacity for face to face connection and reminding each other that we matter. Because your physiology changes when you're in direct relationship with another human being that can't be replicated on a text or a podcast or even, you know, like an email. The more disconnected we become, the less our kids know that they matter. And the other thing that helps kids get through hard, uh, you know, if you own a kid or teach a kid, you got one job Uh, from a psychologist perspective, you have one job and it is to teach them something called emotional regulation, which means how not to lose your friggin' mind. (laughs) And if you have, if you have the capacity to stay calm, when there's big emotions that come your way, you will be okay. And when I ask parents what they want for their kids, they often say this, um, I want them to be happy. I mean, if you think about this as a parent or in a teacher, our biggest wish for our children is to be happy. And you'll have a hard time being happy or doing well in school or making friends if you're emotionally dysregulated. And the only way we teach that, of course, is when we stay regulated ourselves in direct relationship with our kids. <laughs> So we can have the finest pedagogy, the finest literacy and numeracy. But if we're not OK, we can't teach the most important lesson, which is how to stay calm in times of distress. Then and only then can you learn. And so to your point around generosity, this this series is, you know, about generosity. I was so excited that you asked me to be a part of it, because for me, one of the I'm, my life is guided by quotes. And and one of the quotes that has stuck with me for the last probably year is a little quote by Ram Das. He says this. We're all just here walking each other home and i love that so incredibly much because when we get overwhelmed or distressed what we stop doing is mm-hmm. looking outside of us and we start looking we only can look inside of us so we come we become very egodystonic which means i'm looking inside like this is awful administrators are awful there's no money um, i'm undervalued i you know i don't like my kids i hate my husband like whatever the deal is it becomes really difficult to look outside of you which is where generosity lives and The truth of this process is we're only, we're just here walking each other home. And when we start to lose the capacity to look outside Mm -hmm. ourselves, we lose our empathy. We lose our compassion. We lose our understanding for other people. And, you know, Maya Angelou talks quite a lot about this, right? Like if, if you only knew what other people are going through and you lose that capacity when you get overwhelmed and disconnected. And so part of the deal is if you want to change, I mean, I was reading a quote by Mother Teresa this morning who was saying, you know, if you want world peace, go home and love your family and lose the capacity to be generous, even with the people we love the most when we are disconnected and it is the only thing we need Mm -hmm. and i'll give you i give you an example of this i often call i often refer to this as the light up but you know it's that second it's that moment when you haven't seen a kid that you love for a while and they come into you with open arms and they do this (gasps) ah the light up okay so you know typically how we respond to that is is ah we light up as well, right? It's like airport reunions. Um, you know, if you see, you know, two best friends who get reunited, that's the light up. And it is very generous in and of itself because you have to be looking outside yourself to be able to give it away. It is the single most thing that will change your life. As you listen to this podcast, wherever you are in your car, at your school, or, you know, wherever you are in your relationships in your life, if you want one thing that will change the trajectory of your life, you'd be very generous with the light up and watch the magic.
0: I love that. The light up is amazing. Isn't it? When you think- Yes, because it's so accurate. And I think about our daily lives and how just it's such a, it's a generosity to give a smile to our neighbor, you know, as we're passing by, we're so quick to get into the mundane routines of our lives. And we forget that one another is in existence from the vantage point of this world. We don't know what we're carrying. And even if inside we're struggling, we pop that smile out, we get it back and then everybody lights up. And I just, I love that image. Absolutely.
1: Oh. And you know here here's the thing that's crazy if I want you you and your listeners to think about if you are you know if you're in a relationship with anybody um anybody you live with what would happen if you came home tonight and got eyes with them you know just made eye contact and went like oh, hi I don't know if I tell you this enough, but you matter to
0: me. Yeah.
1: What what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, they're going to light up too.
1: Well, I mean, probably Let's they're going to be like, so. <laughs> "Are you morbid <minded?"> or like <laughs> what is wrong with you? You're only nice to me when you've been drinking wine." Like Here's the thing. The, the people we love the most are suspicious when we're kind. Yeah. Well, and even think about this. I know, I know you, as you said, you've been of the classroom for a while, but you, if you think about the top two kids that like suck the life out of you, like that you're like, what am I doing? I should have been a barista. What would happen if you would have stepped back into a classroom or, you know, even for your listeners who are listening, um, if you step back into a classroom on Monday and you pick that kid, who's the one? the one that you just cannot even for it sucks the life out of you and you said good morning how would they respond right the people typically the people who need it the most are the hardest to give it to
0: they are and they receive it more yeah i get you
1: right it's so anyway my, my point is about the generosity around this is how you give it away is so critical and it's free So when we're talking about implementing programs or funding or, you know, changing all of the these processes, they're all absolutely necessary at some point. But I'll tell you, our most powerful intervention, our most powerful skill, uh, if you're struggling the most, it is really around showing genuine interest in something that somebody else cares about. It's the light up. In Mm -hmm. kids these days, I talk about five things that I want um, educators, parents to think about. And one of them is, the first thing is, how do you show genuine interest in something that somebody else cares about? And if you've ever made it past the second date, you're really good at this, Mm -hmm. right? Because I, my husband is a feedlot nutritionist he's got a PhD in animal science. He loves cows. Okay. He is a fanatic around cows. I am not, <laughs> I could give a rip about cows, but on our second date, I will tell you what I made up stuff like you. I was like, oh, I can, I tell you, I am much more of a fan around Charlay than Simmental. And, um, Like, you know, when he said to me, do you want to check cows? And I was like, do do I? (laughs) Are you like, can I get my own pair of coveralls? Like I would seriously. And he's like, we got to get up at two in the morning and check cows. And I was like in the truck, (laughs) ready to go because he loved it. And now 10 years of marriage, he's like, baby, hey, I was judging this cattle show and I picked the limousine bull champion, grand champion. And I was like, Wow, in my like outside, but in my head, I was like, Are you <laughs> so this bull comes out of my mouth? I'm like, you what made that bull better than all the other bulls? And he's like, It's the musculature, Joe. Like you should have seen him. Like he was so smooth. I was like, wow, in my head. I'm like, are you like honest to goodness? I would much rather, you know what I mean? How do you show genuine interest in something somebody else cares about? You get them back. And mm. I know he loves it. And he's phenomenal. He is one of the smartest cattle guys I've ever met in my life. And when I watch him in a room full of his people, he can command a room talking about agriculture. Like, And I'm so proud of him. Mm. And when I can genuinely be interested in the things he love, I, loves, I get him back. Mm. He's amazing. Then I say, hey, can you set the table or where's the sippy cup for these babies? He's like, okay, no, I got it. I got it. It's a a superpower. I'm telling
0: you. It is a superpower. And as I listened to you, I love your illustration of it. And I was thinking about what might resonate with listeners as I was processing my own vision of my own home, since you brought it to that space and thinking about when we're too caught up on our phones or too caught up on whatever it is we're working on uh, and we're not paying attention to our children at our home, is that, in your professional opinion, adding to the issues that we're seeing in our classrooms?
1: It is the number one issue. It's not adding to it Um, because here's the issue. Um, When kids learn emotional regulation, they continually look to us as their lighthouse Right? How should I be feeling about something? Is this safe to proceed? Do you like me? Do they like me? Did I make a mistake here? What the only way I can give that feedback is face-to-face connection. And if you think about the number of times, I mean, I often say this: think about not only the score footage of our homes or our classrooms, but think about even the size of our the beds that our grandparents slept in. Right? You 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 wanted to give your partner a silent treatment. I mean, you had no choice. Aaron and I, we own a king-size bed. There's sometimes I don't even know that he's there, you know? <laughs> and, and when I think about that with our children, you know, oftentimes our kids, I, and I, listen, I'm a user of iPads. Our children all have devices. and. It is their currency, and it is not about saying you know you can't be on them or limiting that to such a degree um, that that all you're doing is fighting about it. It is how do I get engage in that regard? How do I play Fortnite mm. as showing genuine interest in things that they care about? Teach me about Minecraft. Use that in the classroom because that's their currency. And when I have them, then when I've collected their prefrontal cortex, their their love of me, our relationship, I can teach them anything. Mm. But I. Can't cannot do that in reverse. And the more disconnected we become, see when previous generations uh, operated from a strictly behavioral perspective, which is you make a good choice, I reward you. You don't make a good choice, I remove or I punish. Hmm? And that theory is based on what we learned from a rat. (laughs) A hundred years ago, when we had two things over us than we do now, we had proximity, Mm -hmm. right? Which means I had so much more influence because I already had a relationship in place, nothing that I formally created, but we lived and worked and played so much closer together, and nobody disconnected on a device. Nobody. Because I didn't – my grandparents would play three games of crib, which is a, a card game. I don't even know if you know this in Wisconsin. Anyway.
0: Is it cribbage? Yes. I love cribbage. <laughs> I just teaching my daughter cribbage, yes. <laughs>
1: It is the it is the way that you walk each other home anyway. So, what happens when you play crib with your husband? Mm-hmm. Usually, a domestic because you <laughs> you disagree <laughs> about things in the moment, which is a part of relationship and connection. And when we don't have those opportunities, when I when I'm on my phone and Aaron's watching Netflix. We lose so many minutes during the day that used to be in previous generations, the capacity to connect and work through hard things. Mm. And so I had so much more influence to just reward or punish a behavior. Now I don't have that groundbreaking stuff, that foundation that is required to teach kids effectively, that is required to be successful in relationship and in marriage, right? Mm -hmm. And it is the disconnect is, that is the problem. It is it is not all of our other things contribute to it, but how do I re-engage now in a process um, that is in a, uh, a currency, a language that this generation
0: speaks? I love it. I love so much that we went there because I was thinking, it's just in my own experience last night, there's a generosity to that attention um, that we give to other people, even when our own heads are spinning. And I, I was thinking about, you know, how you say we walk each other home and I love your tagline. If you could just say it, Again, in regard to who's holding our kids, can you just say that the way that you phrase it?
1: Our kids are only okay if the ki- if the people who are holding them are okay.
0: Okay, I love that, and it's a passion of mine. And I was thinking about, um, you know, we can't do a great job of teaching our kids self regulation if we're not self regulated, and it takes a high level of self-awareness, right? And that's where it comes into that self-care piece and taking time for ourselves to set our own tone like in the morning. And I spend a lot of time working on that in my own workshops and trying to live it in my own life so that I can you know, speak to this in a way that's authentic. And I was thinking last night about the fact that my daughter was like, well, you're always working. You never, you know, I I lay her down. I say prayers with her every night. We read, she goes to bed. She gets my undivided attention for a good chunk of time. I What I believe is a good chunk. Of time. And yet I'm like, I got to leave because I have work to do. And she's thinking, why are you always working? And yet it's nine o'clock and I'm going, you should have been to bed an hour ago. <laughs> and so I guess my point on this is that attention, sometimes if we're not careful about, you know, our own productivity, our own centering, it's hard for us to be generous with that with our kids um, every day. You know, or all the time. And so do you have any tips that you would share uh, for those listening in regard if they feel like, okay, I'm way out here. I'm always on my phone. I'm never paying attention. I don't give it to my kids. Is there any just like quick levers that they can pull?
1: Oh, I, I like I think it hasn't. And I think here's the deal. Like, we're not going to get it right always. Like, let's set the bar really low. You only yeah. need to get it right. I mean, there's data on this 30% of the time.
0: Only 30? Yes. <gasps>
1: you're welcome oh God I know because like seriously we we are exhausted we have a thousand thing on our things on our plates. In, in addition to you know our, our maybe ill parents are trying to raise kids that aren't messed up trying to keep a marriage together trying to make enough money so that we can have presents at Christmas time I am gonna be short with my kids all the time I mean I I often worry about the future of my children I mean I, I feel clearly that there are all, I mean, some of them might go to jail. I mean, it's why I had three, but I, I know that they'll all need therapy because we, we will not always be on our games. And if we are, there's some, like, that's weird. And so there'll be times where, you know, we'll do things and say things and blow up and get short. And so much of this is if we stay connected, we can walk each other through that. Right. Right. A kid cannot apologize. A a kid can't give away something they've never received. Mm -hmm. And if you've never apologized to a kid, if you've never showed a kid how you screw up and pick yourself back up, if you if you can't show a kid how to be kind, how to be compassionate, they will not have the capacity to give it away. You can't tell a kid how to regulate emotion. You got to show. And if you're dysregulated, no matter how much you tell a kid. Right. And we do this. This is we do stupid stuff like this all the time. We take a kid and we say, come here, come here. Jackson with an X, come here. Look at me. What are you going to do when your sister calls you a name? Because we cannot use bad words and hit in this family. So Jackson will look at you and be like, okay, mom, because he's regulated. He's going to say, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to use my breathing. I'm going to journal. I'm going to find an adult and I'm going to use my words. And you're like, what? You're amazing. High five. What happens 37 seconds later when he walks and his sister calls him a name? (laughs) He throat punches her because he's emotionally dysregulated. When he's regulated, he's got all the skills, mama. You are teaching him everything he needs to know. You're doing your job. High five. What needs to happen is somebody needs to walk him home through emotional dysregulation because you can't learn it. You cannot learn it unless you go through it. Hmm. So I need to be in a place where I'm regulated and understand that the only job our children have is to get emotionally dysregulated. My only job is to have grace and generosity in that process again and again, at least 30% of the time. And when I screw up, I got to be generous with my own heart. Best I can with what I got. Come on, sister, get back up. Let's go. Let's go.
0: Thank you for that. What a gift for the listeners. I can feel a collective sigh because there's not any one of us that is perfect and whether we are it's with our own children or in the classrooms or with uh, people in our lives that you know matter that aren't even kids you know it's so good and that 30% is freeing. I would have thought it was a lot higher.
1: I know, and so Circle Security is a program actually out of Seattle. Three, um, four, actually, I should say, um, social workers developed this program, really taking the world of attachment and emotional regulation, uh, and they clarified it. Uh, cl- sorry, clarified it all so clearly for me when I was at the Children's Hospital, uh, and they reported that stat in one of their first books, and uh, I've never seen it reported again. But I reference <laughs> ever loving. Jesus out of that. And I mean that in a biblical sense. I like, I am very committed to the grace and thanksgiving that is involved in that generous piece of uh, data. And I will reference it for the rest of my career because uh, we're so hard on ourselves and we spend so much time wondering if we're not enough for our children. And have we, you know, have we given them the 30 minutes of bedtime? Have we packed the right things in their lunches? Have we shown up? And honest to goodness, I I mess it up so incredibly much because at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I don't want to answer another question about what happens when you die or do I think you have. I I don't know what the question was last night. Like, why <laughs> does Jesus? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why the elf can write a note and she doesn't have a hand. I don't. I can't answer that for you right now. Okay. And why did the cheese fairy give you $10 and your brother five? Because she didn't have change. Okay. She didn't have change. I just had a glass of wine. Okay. So go to bed and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Okay. Like what more do you want from me? So it's it's so we're all just here walking each other home.
0: And I, I remember, and I can't cite any of the research, but I just remember um, early on in the years of this whole parenting gig, r- remembering that something is just the overall tone, like the general tone that your children take from their childhood. It's not the you know highs and the lows. It's really kind of like whatever that average happens to be of their daily lives over time. Mm, I love that because it's a busy time. It's a crazy time of year. So thank you for that. I, I needed to hear that from you today, Jody, And I'm sure my listeners appreciate that as well. Um, and so when it comes to your message, I just, I love it so much. It's such a, a powerful, it's a powerful hook into to remind us to be intentional and mindful. And, um, that our jobs really in education or for my listeners who aren't in education is just to, to give our hearts away. Truly, that is the generosity is being interested in people, being uh, reminding them that they matter, caring for who they are and also seeing the the brilliance in our students instead of always seeing the negative. I know that you have a hashtag kids these days. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes. I mean, it's, it's the title of the book and it really is about this idea that like all I want you to do in the next little bit is pay close attention to how you show up, right? When you go through Starbucks, uh, get the eyes and uh, say the name of the person giving you your Starbucks. If you have a capacity, two things will happen when, when you do that. Like I often, this happens to me at least a couple of times a week. I will say, James, thank you so much, buddy. I really need this coffee today. And they all in the service mm-hmm. ind- industry have to have their names on their clothes, right? So two things will happen. Number one, they'll think you're picking them up because this happens. They're like, uh, excuse me, lady. And then, because I still got it. I'm 44, but I still got it. Anyway, and the second thing is they will ask me all the time, hey, do I know you? And I'll be like, no, I don't think so, love. I'm not from here. And they'll say, how do you know my name? And I'll say, well, because it's on your boob, dude. Like Mm -hmm. we we are so (laughs) disconnected that we forget. And if you just be kind and generous with the very thing that we have for free, which is compliments and the light up and all of those things, you you will change the trajectory of a kid's life. Like if you, if you only Mm -hmm. knew your power. Right. If you only knew your power. And I have mm-hmm. to I talk like I started this career because of a teacher and it is often a mentor, a teacher, a coach, uh, somebody in your life who uh, made you feel a certain way, made you believe that you were worth it. And if you can sink back into that, it never is what they taught us. Like I cannot, I can name for you every single teacher I had K to 12 because I was in a K to 12 school and uh, I can tell you every single teacher's name. I can tell you where they lived. I can tell you when they got married, when they got divorced, how many kids they had. I cannot tell you what they taught me. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. The literacy and the numeracy escapes me. And the curriculum in this country, in our country, in North America is solid, the curriculum, I mean, there's, there's children walking to school in Guyana right now, five miles with no shoes on, right? We, we, we we're okay. Mm. We're okay. What we're not doing a good enough job of is holding the people who hold our children. Because if they're not okay, the kids don't stand a chance. Amen. Wow. So if you're listening to this and you're not an educator, love on your teachers today. Take them uh, baking, or I don't think booze is probably acceptable, but take <laughs> them something, a note. A coffee card, something that says "I see you" and "I'm thankful for you" every day. I mean, like educators hold our babies every day. They this this is what I don't understand about educators. They signed up for a job where they were like, "You know what? I think I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. I think I, I think I want lice. <laughs> I think I think I want to get licked. I think I want to clean up puke. I think I I want to get told the f off maybe once a week or so. I feel like that feels great. Right. Sign me up." They, they hold our children for more waking hours a day, 180 days a year, 950 hours a year, that us parents aren't with them. And if they are having a good day, if they are emotionally regulated, if they are able to light up with our babies, our babies will learn. Hmm. If they're not, our kids will not. They will struggle because you can't teach kid who's emotionally dysregulated or who feels unworthy, cannot do it. You need a prefrontal cortex intact to learn. So you can have the finest pedagogy. You can have whiteboards. You can have Chromebooks. You can have stuff shooting out of your whiteboards. And it will not matter if a kid's emotionally dysregulated. A Chromebook becomes a weapon. That's
0: true. And for so many of my listeners, we get this. Um, You know, so many of the people who listen to this podcast, either are educators, have been educators, support educators. And as you said, if you're not in education, you know an educator and this is, it's a reality for sure. And it's exhausting. It can be so challenging. And so, you know, take care of one another.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. And you're paid so, you know, so expense like exponentially lower even in the U.S. than we are in Canada. And I think... I just think we're all just here walking each other home. You've chose such a holy profession, or, or educators have, to hang on to our babies. And if they're okay, our kids can be okay. If parents are invested and involved and if our teachers are lighting up around our parents, man, if you want to change the life of a kid, tell a parent that you like their kid, mm. right? I I mean, I want – what happens to you when you pick your kid up from school or you go to a parent-teacher interview and a parent – or a teacher calls and says, can I – Jody, do you have a minute? And it, when the school calls, I'll tell you what I want to throw up every time. And, <laughs> and I'll say, yeah, no, absolutely. Are, are the kids okay? And they'll be like, yeah, I just wanted to tell you, I had Olivia today and she was, she's so funny. She's one of the kindest kids I ever met. I just wanted to tell you, I think mama, whatever you're doing, you're doing, you're doing it right. Mm. Now, what happens to you as a parent, when you get that message, I want to make out with them is what I want to do. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you are can i buy a whiteboard for the school do you what do you need what do you need mrs s can i get you something and so we are all just here walking each other home and it's it is all down to generosity at the end of it my goodness give it away teachers be nice to us parents who think we're screwing it up and everybody love on your teachers Give them a compliment today. Thank them for hanging on to your babies, and that's how we change the. That's how we change the world. That's it.
0: You're so right, and it is. It's such a nice reciprocal benefit. Whether you think of it as the light up, or we think about this deploying of gratitude and the research behind being able to do that, and this again reciprocal benefit that will come from that, whether it's in the moment or later, and we don't know. Especially those of us working with teenagers, that that kind of pouring can just feel like it's never ever landing, but it is. And so, uh, thank you for that reminder. And it's good because educators that are doing things like that, even though the job is challenging, even though it can be hard, when you're intentional yourself about taking those moments, then you get that light up in your own world too. And it's good to keep reminding that you have the opportunity to do that so many dozens of times a day, hundreds, really. For sure. And it's free. It's totally free. Yes. I love it. Okay. So Jody, I am in danger of talking to you forever and we're getting to the end here. So I want to ask you my two standard questions um, that I always ask and my listeners love hearing. So the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what do you think you would say?
1: Um, I would probably be in my early in my career. And uh, a mentor told me this once, and it never made sense until I got... um, to this point or, you know, this point in my career is that there's no way around it. You got to go through it. You cannot replace experience. So you just have to go through it. And uh, I love that now because I think about all the sleepless nights and all the times I cried and all the self-doubt. And even in this point in my career we're building a completely different trajectory around, uh, you know, a book and a speaking career and, you know, i I think flagshipping a message that I think can change the world um every day i i I think like i don't I don't have a freaking clue what I'm doing this is i I do not know what I'm doing and I keep coming back to that there's no way around it. You got to go
0: through it. I love it. And you are clearly heralding a message that has the potential to absolutely change the world. I feel so honored that we're getting to be a part of that here with the In Podcast, but also to say that I love this idea of going through the fire forges us and it makes us stronger, right? And so thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. How about this one? If there's somebody who's listening and they find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt on any of the topics that you've touched upon today, what do you think you could say to help raise them up out of it?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, I I came across this quote um, again this week and I, I, you know, I talked about it this week a little bit in one of the posts I did and um, it's a quote by Rumi. And um, it says this, be a lamp, a lifeboat or a ladder. Help someone's soul heal. Walk out of your house like a shepherd. And I think what that reminds me of is the necessity to look outwards. The necessity to be grateful for what I have, if I have the capacity to be a light post or a ladder or a lamp or a lifeboat, sorry, for for somebody else, it really grounds me in where I'm at. And so to the best of your capacity, feel it, know that whatever you have on the plate in front of you right now, you're wired for it. And you're also wired for connection. So if you're going to survive it, you will be so much better when you remember this capacity to stay connected to the people around
0: you. Ooh, I love it. Ooh. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jody. Such wise words. It's going to help walk us home, lady. You are amazing. Love it. Uh, thank you. Such an honor. Well, could you do me a favor? And I, of course, listeners know that I will faithfully link everything in the show notes so that, of course, people can get a hold of you. But would you share the best way?
1: Yes. Everything's on our website. So it's com, And then we're big. We do big things on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I don't freaking know how to work them things, but we got to couple of people who do. So I do a Facebook live every Sunday night and uh, you can just join us where
0: we talk about hard things. That's awesome. And listeners stay tuned because I'm going to give you an opportunity to connect with both Jody and I in person here in June. And I'm so grateful that you joined us on this podcast, that you shared your generosity story. And Dr. Jody, you are amazing. You are absolutely changing the world. Thank you.
1: You're awesome. So are you, Sarah. And I can't wait to share a stage with you in Houston in June.
0: Hey, friends. Are you interested in elevating your leadership and rising up to be a champion for change? If you're ready to move past the status quo and believe you can be more and do more than you ever thought possible, join Dr. Jody and I, as well as an incredible lineup of powerful and inspirational leaders at the first ever Live Your Excellence Summit in Houston, Texas, June 22nd to 23rd, 2020. Listeners of the In All Podcast can enter promo code awe 20 to receive $75 off registration. Links to this discount and directions on how to register are located in the show notes of this episode. I cannot